This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a special archive edition of the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, where we share bite-sized excerpts about specific topics from our previous episodes. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. This is the last week of our summer break, and before we start back up with new episodes, and because so many of you are heading to Rocky Mountain National Park, we've put together this episode featuring some of the best hiking trails in the park. This excerpt is from our Rocky Mountain episode number 74 that came out in March of last year, and we've added some updated information about construction delays at the Estes Park entrances that are affecting visitors' access to the park. Thanks for joining us as we showcase hikes in Rocky Mountain National Park that you won't want to miss. Okay, so apparently there has been some drama so far this summer at the east entrances to Rocky Mountain National Park, and those would be the two entrances that feed out of Estes Park, the Beaver Meadows and the Fall River entrances. Yeah, some drama, maybe some road rage. That's what we've been hearing. So the Fall River entrance is under construction, so only one lane is open to enter the park. And the um, National Park Service is encouraging visitors to avoid the Fall River entrance and use the Beaver Meadows entrance instead. Apparently, there are long wait times at both of these entrances to the park. Yeah, I think there's been some construction in the area as well as a lot of confusion about whether or not you need a timed entry. Well, that's right. That's what this drama kind of centers around. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on to kind of create this perfect storm. So I think most of you who are traveling to the park know that you need a timed entry permit. These are in effect until October 22nd. And we're not going to go into great detail about these because it's on their website. But there are two different types of permit. The park access timed entry permit. Those are for general admission into the park, not including the Bear Lake Corridor. And those are good from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. You need this permit if you're going in during those hours. And then there's a Park Access Plus, which for the rest of us means absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, I have no idea what Park Access Plus means. It's a, also a timed entry permit. It includes access to destinations located along 
the Bear Lake Road Corridor. So that's one of the most popular areas of the park. And it also gives you access to the other areas of Rocky Mountain National Park. And those timed entry permits are required to enter that Bear Lake Road Corridor between 5 a.m. and 6 p.m. So what's happening is this, due to these construction delays and a ton of traffic, you know, because this is high season in the park, people are not getting up to the entrance booth until it's past their entry window of their timed reservation, and they're being turned away. So for example, let's say you're going into the Bear Lake Corridor and you have a 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. reservation. You show up at 7.30 a.m. to get into the park, but because the line is so long, you might not get up to the window until 8.30, and then you know what? You will be turned away. Yeah, I can imagine that there's some upset people. Yes. The other issue that's happening is people who don't have a timed entry reservation at all want to get into the park, just the general area of the park, before 9 a.m., right, which you can do. Again, they're waiting in line. By the time they get up to the entrance booth, it's now past 9 a.m., and they can't get in, and they're turned away. Our son was just there a few days ago, and we were asking him about the experience. And so we warned him about this. He had a timed entry reservation from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. He had the Bear Lake Corridor. And so we told him, you know, you got to get there early. You got to get there early. And he said he got in line at the Beaver Meadows entrance at 830. Right. And then uh, basically sat there and didn't move for about a half an hour. Finally, it the line did start moving, mainly because a lot of people were just getting out of line. I don't know if they figured out they needed a, a permit and didn't have one, but eventually he got up to the front. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're hearing this consistent story. Exactly. He said he sat there, you know, from 830 to nine, pretty much without moving. And at nine o'clock, the people who had hoped to get in before nine were all turning around because they missed that deadline. He said he was he got in about 915 to 930. So he was almost, you know, an hour in line. But the point of all this is to say, don't show up just before your ticket entry window closes because you will be in line for a long time. Give yourself plenty of time to sit there and get up to the entrance booth. Yeah, I would think that if Chick-fil-A can figure out how to move their lines along and take people's orders ahead of time and, and manage their lines, I think the federal government could do a little bit better job of managing the lines. I mean, it, I, I don't want to be critical, overcritical of the NPS, but I mean, you can do better to manage these lines. Well, sure. I mean, they're going to have to come up with some kind of solution to this because, you know, for all these people who came from far, far away and they're there with their families and this is their day's activity and then to be turned away because the lines are so long and moving so slowly, I can just, I can imagine the frustration. Right, right. So anyway, that's uh, the situation, folks. If you're going to Rocky Mountain National Park, especially if you're going in the east entrances, know that you might want to check it out early so that uh, you don't miss your time. Exactly. 
Now, in this um, excerpt that we're going to play, this one about hikes in Rocky Mountain National Park, you're going to hear us talking about how more than 25 years ago, before we were hikers, Matt set off to climb Long's Peak, a 14er, which means that uh, it's a mountain peak that's over 14,000 feet tall. And at the time, he was a completely inexperienced and unprepared non-hiker. And I'm right here. <laughs> I, I'm still on this <laughs> podcast episode, so <laughs> you could speak to me directly if you'd like. <laughs> I was prepared. I had two 16-ounce bottles of water in my back pocket. You said in the excerpt there in your hands, the two bottles. Well, sometimes they were in my back pockets. Sometimes they were in my hand. All right. Well, obviously, we can laugh about this now because, you know, we, we've hopefully come a long way. But this is actually how people do get into trouble while hiking. They underestimate the hike and they overestimate their ability. Yes, I was inexperienced and unprepared. You do have to understand the environment you're going into. One, it's high altitude, which is a whole nother set of problems. Uh, you need to have the proper equipment, uh, emergency items, you know, your tent essentials, water, shelter. It was, there were storms coming. We didn't have proper rain gear. So you, you got to know what you're doing or you could get into trouble quickly. Absolutely. And this is what is happening to hikers across the, really across the United States throughout the parks. They're getting into trouble. They're having to be rescued. But, you know, before we um, before we move on, let's talk about the altitude at Rocky Mountain for a minute because it is a thing. It really is. The lowest point in the entire park is about 7,600 feet. That's the low point. And, and that's <laughs> right. that's pretty high. Well, yeah, when you think of Denver as as the mile-high city, that's, what, 5,000-something feet. And you go to, um, you know, you go just a little bit further northwest, and all of a sudden now you're at 7,600 feet. Right, and if you're going to go up Long's Peak, that's over 14,000 feet. I mean, that's as, that's essentially as high as Mount Rainier in the state of Washington. That's 14,000 feet. I mean, the air is thin. And, you know, people who visit the park are often coming from lower elevations. And um, altitude can be something of a shock to their systems. And, you know, you need to give yourself time until your body adjusts because it could be a struggle to take in enough oxygen. And they say some of the negative symptoms of high altitude can be shortness of breath, as well as headache, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Right. And if you get up there and you're starting to feel these things, it could take a while for those symptoms to go away. I mean, not only do you need to get down out of high altitude, but uh, yeah, you want to make sure that you give yourself plenty of time to recover and take a lot of water. And they say it's going to take a few days to, for your body to adjust to this kind of high altitude if you're coming from some of the lower altitude states. So the point in saying all this is as we're talking about these hikes, you know, make sure and give yourself a couple of days if you can to adjust to the altitude before you set off on some of the more strenuous hikes. The other thing Matt had mentioned to take into account when you are planning your hikes is the weather wherever you happen to be. Obviously, if you're in the southwest, it's it could be brutally hot. In Rocky Mountain, the weather issue to think about are the storms that crop up in the afternoons, the thunderstorms and the lightning. 
And that seems, in the summer, it seems to happen almost every afternoon. And because of that, they recommend that you start your hiking early in the morning and you try to be done by noon so you can come off of those exposed mountain ridges. Yeah, I I know a lot of times you go to these places, it's your vacation, you have it planned, you only have certain days that you can do your activities. But uh, yeah, you got to, if there's a thunderstorm coming, you need to take a break from that. Absolutely. So now that we have prefaced this segment with some dire health warnings, we are going to play this um, clip where we talk about some of the top rated trails in Rocky Mountain National Park. However, if you do want to hear the entire episode, please go back and listen to episode 74 because there is some really good history channel in there. Great history channel. So good. (laughs) I hate for people to miss that. Plus, we talk about lodging options. We talk about some restaurants that we like, things like that. So for the complete episode, go back and take a listen. But for now, we will play this clip about uh, hiking trails. All right, let's talk about hikes. Okay. Now, you mentioned the Bear Lake Road Corridor, and it does have a lot of the best hikes in the in the park. Yeah, and because it has some of the best hiking, the, the Bear Lake Corridor, the parking lots are completely full in the summertime by 8 a.m. And if you want to find a parking spot after that, you would have to circle and wait for somebody to leave. I know when we were there in 2018, we got there early and we came out and it was just... It was packed. I mean, the people were circling the parking lot. Yeah, so it it could be a little less crowded with uh, timed entry, although, you know, I I wouldn't plan on that. One of the shortest and most popular hikes is right at the Bear Lake Trailhead. It's the loop around Bear Lake, and it's only about 0.7 miles, and it's considered easy. Yeah, and it's also wheelchair accessible, so it's a great hike for anyone of any age or ability. You know what I just thought of? And we're going to talk about a couple more hikes in a second. I just thought of when we were done with our hiking at the Bear Lake Trailhead, we were standing there with our friends, Bob and Sue, and Sue and I went to use the bathroom. And when we came back, Matt, there was a crowd of people around you. They thought you were a ranger. There was and they a were line. Asking you there was a line. <laughs> and, and I don't know why people... <laughs> They must not have seen the the word introvert on my <laughs> T-shirt. But Bob and I were just standing there waiting for you. I, I don't know. Maybe I had dark green pants on or something. You maybe did. I looked like a ranger. You did kind of have the same color so, clothing. So somebody asked me a question. And somebody heard me give that answer. And they got in line behind that person. And then a line formed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys came out of the bathroom, and I just like I just walked away. They looked at me like the the ranger just just walked away from the line. Sue and I thought, what the heck is going on? There are people lined up asking you questions, and I can hear people like, "How far is it if we want to go all the way to Emerald Lake?" And, and it is the trail rocky. <laughs> I almost got out my make-believe ranger ticket book and started issuing tickets. No, that's my job. I know, but you had it in the in the restroom with you. So anyway, sorry we digress there. So Bear Lake is right there. And then also a fantastic hike that we loved is continuing on. There are three beautiful alpine lakes that you can hike to all in a row, which are Nymph, Dream, and Emerald Lakes. Those are all different lakes. Yes. So Nymph Lake is a 1.2-mile round trip, Mm -hmm. but you can continue on to Dream Lake. And if you do that, it turns into a a total of two miles round trip. 
and it's about 400 plus feet elevation gain. Yeah, I thought so it was pretty a, easy. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty easy. And then from there, you can then continue to Emerald Lake. And if you do that, it turns into a total of 3.2 miles round trip and an elevation gain of about 700 feet. And that's the hardest section of the hike. Mm-hmm. And we did this just to let people know how it can be different during different times of the year. We were there in May. Was it late May? It was late May. And we couldn't get past Dream Lake because of the snow. Yes. We had micro spikes, which were fine on the ice and snow, and we needed them. But I think it was maybe even too treacherous to go on further. It was getting deep at that point. End of May, you'd think it would be full-on summer. But, of course, up there at that elevation, it is not. Yeah, I I think if we had our snowshoes, we could have gone further, but we didn't. So May still can feel winter-like up there at the Bear Lake area. Also along the Bear Lake Corridor is a different trailhead called Glacier Gorge. And there are a couple of great hikes Starting from that trailhead, these are all in a row, in a continuous row as well. Now, the first one is Alberta Falls, and that is rated easy. It's uh, 1.6 miles round trip and about 250 feet elevation gain. Alberta Falls. It's a 30-foot waterfall, and it comes down into this narrow gorge on Glacier Creek. Alberta Falls is one of the most popular hikes in the park, and it's easy. A lot of people just go there and turn around. From there, you can just keep going, and you can go to the lock, which is the Gaelic name given to this lake. Yeah, I'm not sure why they gave it a Gaelic name. Lock means lake. Yeah, like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really the Lake Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. So that's, if you go to the lock, it turns out to be five and a half miles round trip. And it's moderate, but -hmm. but here's the thing. It starts... At 9,200 feet. That is high up. Uh-huh. And now it's only a 1,000 feet elevation gain. And so a 1,000 feet over, over that distance isn't too bad. And when you get to the lake, it's surrounded by the peaks and glaciers of the Continental Divide. And from here, if you have more gas left in your tank, you can continue on to Sky Pond. We haven't hiked this one yet, but I've seen photos of Sky Pond and it looks spectacular. This is 9.5 miles total round trip. It's rated strenuous, and it's about 1,760 feet of elevation gain. So when you get to Sky Pond, you're at an elevation of almost 11,000 feet, and you will see this incredibly beautiful alpine lake that's surrounded on three sides by these sheer cliff walls. And off to the right, you see the granite spires of the shark's tooth. So these jaggedy peaks sitting above this alpine lake. It is Stunning. And this hike went in my bucket the moment I saw a photo of it. Why haven't we done that before? Well, because everyone that we have gone to the park with so far has not wanted to do that strenuous of a hike, whether it be our kids or Bob and Sue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you look at the trail notes... At four miles from the trailhead, you reach Timberline Falls. And at this point, the trail continues up a chute to the right of the falls. And this part is a challenging scramble that climbs 100 feet. It requires handholds and, as they write, the use of all four limbs while ascending. <laughs> like all four limbs, each of us? We have to use all four limbs? Yes. Plus, if that's not fun enough, 
oftentimes portions of this scramble might have water flowing as you're climbing up it. <laughs> I don't mind doing a, a four limb stretch of trail. No, no, I don't either. I just don't do belly crawling underground. So if this sounds fun to you, add this to your list. Yeah, so take extra gas. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, put take some gas. extra gas in your tank for this one. <laughs> gas in your tank. Carb load the night before. Okay, so let's talk about a few trails that are easier, that don't require all four limbs at, at once. Uh, if you drive up to the Alpine Visitor Center, there is an Alpine Ridge Trail, and it just... It starts right there from the parking lot, and it's 0.6-mile round trip. So it's just 200 feet elevation gain. It's paved. It's got a series of steps. We always do that when we go up to that visitor center. We do. And, you know, it sounds easy. Oh, it's a half mile, 200 feet elevation gain. But at that point, you are at such high elevation. I just remember I was panting like a dog when we got to the top of that. But you know what? The views from up there are so incredible that it's worth it. So we would encourage, if you're able to, to go on and hike up to the top of that Alpine Ridge Trail. You can also do... Gemlike. Now, Gemlike begins at the Lumpy Ridge Trailhead, and this is just north of Estes Park. It's about three and a half miles round trip and a thousand feet elevation gain. And it's listed as family friendly, but that's if your family likes to hike up a lot of long staircases made from giant rock steps. Our family would never have made that. Nope. Gem Lake is nestled in a really pretty setting surrounded by granite walls. I thought it was interesting that the lake doesn't have an inlet or an outlet stream. It's filled in by trapped snow melt and rainfall. Yeah, it's one of the most popular hikes in the park. So moving on to our last area we're going to talk about hiking would be the Longs Peak Trailhead area. Access to that is on the east side of the park, just south of Estes Park and the two main entrances you drive south to access this. And before we talk about Longs Peak, which is the big one, there is another very popular hike there called Chasm Lake. We have not done Chasm Lake. No. There's a whole bunch of stuff we still need to do in Rocky Mountain National Park. I know. This one is listed as one of the best hikes in Rocky Mountain. Now, it does require some rock scrambling as well. How many limbs do you need? <laughs> I'm not sure Maybe if three this limbs. is a This is a three-limb <laughs> trail? I don't know, but I did see a picture, and there's definitely some rock scrambling. It's nine miles round trip, about 2,500 feet of elevation gain. But again, look up the pictures, a beautiful alpine mountain lake like some of the others we've talked about. So if this sounds fun, add it to your list. I think most people going to Long's Peak Trailhead want to hike Long's Peak. Long's Peak is a 14er. Its peak is at 14,259 feet, and the trail to the peak and back is 15 miles round trip, 5,000 feet elevation gain. It's difficult. It, it takes experienced hikers 10 to 15 hours to complete. I think that it cannot be overstated how difficult this hike is. <laughs> yeah, but back in the day when I was a youngster, when we were taking the, the kids to the park, one of the days, one of the other dads and I left very early in the morning, like 5 a.m., to go hike Long's Peak. And we read the description. We read all the requirements. We really were not qualified in any way 
to do this trail, but we we went out to do it anyway. I know. So at the time when you told me you guys were going to do this, I knew nothing about Long's Peak. I hadn't read anything. So I thought to myself, great, go have fun. And now that I have read what this hike entails, I cannot even believe you guys would consider it. I thought we were prepared because in each hand, two of our limbs, we were carrying 16-ounce <laughs> bottles of water. So we had redundancy. We We had... Plenty of water. Okay. I think maybe I had a compass in my pocket. Not sure what I was going <laughs> to do with that. And a pocket knife. And, and these are two guys from Kansas who live in Kansas who never hike really ever because this is when our kids Back were then, small yeah. and there were no hiking opportunities. So you're going to start with one of the most difficult 14ers. <laughs> I think it was, it could have been just an excuse uh, not to have to drop the kids off at the Y camp. Uh, but yeah, we, we set out to do it. Now, someone was looking out for us because we head out on this trail. It's like maybe, I don't know, 6 a.m. by the time we start. And it's dark. But we could, even though it was dark, we could see lightning in the distance. And of course, you never hike in these exposed mountains in a thunderstorm. But <laughs> again, it was either hike in a thunderstorm or take the kids to the Y camp. So <laughs> we continued. <laughs> and, and the first part of the trail is in trees. And uh, I don't know how many miles we went, maybe a couple of miles into the trees. And the thunder, the thunder got louder, but we kept going. And pretty soon we started seeing hikers come down the mountain. And we knew that they there's no way they could have left early enough to get to the peak and, and come back. And mm. they didn't do it overnight. And they would say, oh, yeah, there's lightning up there. Don't go. And every time another set of hikers came back at us, passing us the other way, they were moving faster. And fi <laughs> finally, after about 20 minutes, this one group comes. They were running. They never even stopped. They're like, yeah, lightning. And, <laughs> and we knew at that point, I think we just got to tree line. And we started running back towards the trailhead. So we didn't do it. Yeah. Thank we, God. we didn't get to the hard thank part. Thank God. Because I'm going to talk about what the hard part entails here. And I should note, this was back in 1995, before we ever even thought about going to all the national parks, before we knew anything. And really before they knew the dangers of lightning. No, <laughs> no, you can't blame it on that. But the NPS does report that only about 50% of hikers who attempt Long's Peak actually reach the summit. They're turned back due to, number one, the weather, then late starts, and underestimating the physical fitness that's needed to get to the top. So we had two of the three. Yeah, two of the three reasons. Most people, when they uh, hike Long's Peak, they're doing the keyhole route. I believe the other couple of routes up there are technical. So this is the most popular and the least technical, although it only becomes non-technical when the snow melts out of the trough, which generally doesn't happen until late July. Now, the trail description says, I wouldn't know because I didn't get this far, but after about five miles, and the first five miles are pretty strenuous, you then have to traverse a boulder field. So you, I'd probably have to put those water bottles in my pocket, probably my back pockets. <laughs> and then you have to ascend through an area called the keyhole. And this, they say, 
requires class three scrambling. Mm-hmm. That, that would be a four limber uh, for sure. For sure, say. for sure. And and I guess they put rangers up there to patrol that area because they <laughs> probably turn people like us away. Yes. Who are not prepared. Yeah. I, no, I think I was wearing jeans and my newer tennis shoes, so yeah. I should have been okay. Oh, my gosh. It's such a blessing that you got turned back due to weather because I, I shudder to think of what could have happened to you and Don up there. We did not need a ranger to tell us. <laughs> the, the people running with their eyes very wide, scared and, mm-hmm. and frazzled running past us saying, lightning, lightning. That was enough. Yes. In Rocky Mountain National Park, it seems that a lot of afternoons in the summer, thunderstorms roll in. So this lightning is a very serious threat. People have died in Rocky Mountain National Park when they have been struck by lightning. So when you hike up to these areas, make sure you get an early start, uh, especially on Trail Ridge Road when you're getting out of your car. All these places, we got caught in a huge thunderstorm on a hike, remember? When we we had- did. We started the hike and it, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but it was took us several hours. And by the time we almost got back to the trailhead, for about an hour, we could hear thunder in the distance. We could see the clouds rolling in. And we timed it just right. I mean, the, literally like the last hundred feet, we were running to the car and just got in. We got soaked a little bit. But what was odd is as we're coming down the trailhead and walking faster and faster, people were passing us going further into the mountain. I know. Uh, and it was mid-afternoon by that point when the thunderstorms seemed to be at their worst. And so. you could hear the thunder. So mm-hmm. so people were, I guess they didn't, they weren't concerned. I'm not here to judge because maybe they, <laughs> maybe they had to, they didn't want to pick their kids up at the Y camp, so they decided maybe, to go for a hike. Yes, maybe that was it. I did see a note about the Long's Peak Trail, and this is kind of interesting that John Wesley Powell, who was the first person to float the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon, he made the first ascent of Long's Peak back in 1868. Wow, I did not know that. I, I would have thought I would have known that. And it's also surprising, and I'm not joking here at all, but didn't he... He lost an arm in the Civil War. Yes. And so the scrambling that would have been harder for him to to get up. And then, of course, Enos. (laughs) The uh, father of Rocky Mountain National Park. The father of Rocky Mountain National Park. He climbed it. They say he climbed it over 300 times. 300 times. Just imagine that. He loved Long's Peak. He owned an inn in the area called Long's Peak Inn. And yeah, he climbed it. 300 times. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. Well, I tried I tried once and I had to run back to the, the truck. So anyway, I think everyone realizes after this that unless you are fit, experienced, and acclimated. <laughs> yeah, and, and have your wits about you. Yes, there are other better hikes uh, in the park to enjoy. Now, on the east side of the park, that Grand Lake area... We did the Lone Pine hike, mm-hmm. and that was that was beautiful. That was the one, I guess, we were on when we encountered the thunderstorm. There weren't that many people on the trail. I mean, the crowds are lower. Yeah, this is on the west side of the park by Grand Lake, much less crowded over there. However, you do still you need a day reservation no matter what side of the park you're on, no matter what trailhead you're going into. Okay, we are back, and we hope this gives you some ideas of trails to check out when you visit Rocky Mountain National Park. 
Yeah, and next week we will be back with a brand new episode, also about hiking trails, but this one will be easy bucket list hikes throughout the national park system. That's right. So if climbing Long's Peak isn't your idea of fun, tune in to find out where some of the best easy trails are located with spectacular scenery that doesn't require keyholes, chutes, scrambles, or cliff edges. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. We'll be right back.